Welcome to the Go Well podcast. Today it's my pleasure to be talking with Professor Carlo Leifert, who is one of the world leaders in organic farming research, food production systems, sustainable farming and food security. He is the Foundation Director of Southern Cross University's Centre for Organics Research, which is a joint initiative between Southern Cross University and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries, conducting research in partnership with community and industry stakeholders. Some of Professor Leifert's research interests are soil management, which is organic matter recycling and composting technology, crop protection, being integrated biological and agronomic disease, pest and weed control, nutritional quality of organic and low input dairy production systems, food quality and safety assurance, food processing technology, for example, alternative sanitation strategies to chlorine, and nutritional control of gastrointestinal diseases in monogastric farm animals, for example, pigs and poultry. These days, Professor Leifert continues to support research and teaching in plant science and sustainable food production at Southern Cross University as adjunct professor. He also has a visiting professorship in the Department of Clinical Nutrition at the University of Oslo in Norway. Welcome to the Go Well show, Professor Carlo Leifert. It's great to have you with us. Just out of interest, where are you uh, located in the world at this moment? Where are we talking to you? Are you in Greece at the moment? Uh, I'm in Greece, yes. Um, I've got a small, uh, very small farm uh, in in Crete, um, on the island of Crete. Beautiful, yeah. Actually, just uh, earlier today, I was watching the Vimeo uh, that you had online is that was that your farm that was filmed at? Yes, that's my, that's my farm. Terrific! All right, that looks beautiful. Thank you for taking us to that place. Uh, we're going to go straight into the study that you've recently uh, completed. Can you just explain uh, to our listeners what that study was all about? The study was about trying to find out to what extent um, your diet, so the composition of foods that you eat and um, to what extent organic food consumption affects your pesticide exposure. So basically, it was a a diet uh, switchover study. And then within that diet switchover study, uh, we nested a dietary intervention study where we um, gave half um, of our students. So the study was done with student volunteers. So we gave half of our students um, the same diet, um, a Mediterranean diet, where all the dishes, all the foods were organic, while the control group, um, the conventional group, as we called it, uh, got exactly the same diet, the same Mediterranean diet, but all the food was conventional food, so produced by normal production methods. Okay, so can I just go into that a little bit further? So conventional, uh, when you're talking about conventional fruit and veg, they would sort of be the fruit and veg that they would that you'd buy from a supermarket or something, and also organic. I notice you were you use that word organic, but there is a difference between organic and certified organic, isn't there? Um, only in Australia, um, because in Europe um, you cannot use 
um, or you cannot describe your products as organic unless they're certified organic. Oh, okay. So in Europe, okay. um, in Europe, it's a legally um, binding term. And um, basically, you have to use organic production methods if you sell your fruit, vegetables, meat, eggs, and so on as um, organic, uh, if you label them organic, ecological, or biological. So those three terms are basically a guarantee that the foods you buy in the supermarkets or on the market um, are produced to um, certified organic farming standards, which are, you know, a legal standard here in, in, in Europe, mm. an EU standard. Okay, so if you might just go into that a little bit. So I know only a little bit about it myself, but uh, that's when, I mean, I think in Australia every three years they the certifiers come around and the soil's tested and everything. Is that is that what they do in Europe or what do they do there? Yeah, you have an annual inspection. Um, so, for example, on my farm, um, an inspector comes um, once a year. He looks at um, all my paperwork, you know, what have I bought in terms of inputs, um, what have I used in terms of inputs. Um, so he looks at all of that and he goes around the farm and looks for evidence of me um, not doing what my paperwork says. Mm. Um, and then uh, if he's satisfied, um, he signs off my uh, certification document. Mm -hmm. So it's an annual inspection, mm -hmm. but uh, the inspectors may come in between as well unannounced. So you can have surprise inspections. Mm. And if they basically find you using, um, for example, a chemical spray that isn't permitted, then you lose your license. That's fantastic. That means there'd be a lot, lot of trust in organic, whereas here in Australia, I'm not quite sure that would be the same. Going back to my other question, so if when you refer to conventional fruit and veg, where will people get that generally? I mean, when they go to the supermarket in Europe, do is there a lot of organic fruit and veg on the shelves as well, or no, not? Yeah, it, it it depends a little bit where you are in Europe. So in some countries. Um, all the German-speaking countries, you have a wide range of organic products available now. So France as well, and Benelux and, and UK. But generally, um, it has increased a lot. And when the legal standards came in, uh, early uh, 2000s, um, that gave the whole sector um, a boost because people who had previously... Um, not believed that organic was really organic when they bought it. Uh, they mm. suddenly had the assurance uh, of legally um, standard behind it. And, and it gave the whole um, sector a boost um, mm. with respect to sales. And in terms of cost, is there a big difference between conventional and organic foods in Europe? I know these are very general questions, but... Yeah, it is a very general question. And the interesting thing is... Um, that when it comes to um, the foods that um, uh, the, the nutritionists generally advise you to eat uh, more of, um, like fruit and vegetables, the price differential is not that big. So, for example, uh, for fruit and vegetables, your differences um, are between 10 and 30 percent for sort of ve very um, expensive uh, fruit items. Where you have big price differentials is on meat. Um, so on chicken, the price difference can be um, 100%. Mm -hmm. um, but if you, if you think about that, um, in the context of our study, uh, meat consumption, when you switch 
uh, to a Mediterranean diet was only one third of what the students had before they went onto the Mediterranean diet. So um, if you're thinking of overall affordability of organic, um, if you change to a better diet with less meat, um, then um, that can give you the saving uh, to buy your mm -hmm. um, organic uh, fruit and vegetables mm -hmm. um, as organic. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for explaining that. Now, can you tell us a bit more about the study, uh, you know, age group? I think uh, when I saw the video, there were people from all over the world by the looks, but uh, mostly younger yeah. people. Can you just uh, tell us a bit more about and, you know, over what time period exactly what happened in, you know, in the study and then your findings as well? Yeah, um, we used a group of um, postgraduate students, so master's uh, students and um a few of them were also PhD students. Um, they, um, um, the um, uh, Newcastle University organized a two week um, a visit uh, to Crete every year so that the students could get an idea about Mediterranean or semi arid um, irrigated production systems. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they came to Crete for two weeks. And during those two weeks, we did the intervention um, uh, part of the study. So where half the group that went to Crete went onto an organic Mediterranean diet, whereas the other half went into a conventional Mediterranean diet. So made from conventional food. Hmm. Um, we, we basically um, randomly assigned them to those groups um, and um, we randomized at bedroom level. Um, so basically, the students were asked who they wanted to share bedrooms with in the um, B&B hostel that they were staying in. And then within each bedroom, we um, basically did a lottery. They had to pick a, a lot out of a, out of a hat, which either said organic or conventional, and then they get into the conventional or um, organic eating group. Um, the, the reason for doing it at bedroom level was that we suspected um, the bedrooms being one um, um, one confounding factor because um, here in Crete um, a lot of people use uh, pyrethroid evaporators for mosquito controls and um, sometimes um, also uh, pesticides, insecticides for cockroach uh, control. And um, that season starts in May when our study started. So um, um, we wanted to be sure that the environmental confounding factor um, that we foresaw um, was um, randomized mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so over what period of time? Two weeks, was it, the study, did you say? It was a two-week intervention period, yes. Mm -hmm. And we, we took samples after one week and after two weeks um, of the intervention period. Okay, and you were taking urine and blood samples and uh, you tested for pesticide residues, so perhaps just go into your findings there. But uh, I'm interested as well if you tested for anything else. I thought on the Vimeo, one of the other professors involved mentioned also that yeah. you tested for vitamins as well. Yeah, we, 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 did, we did take um, blood samples as well. Um, and um, in urine and um, for some minerals also in blood, uh, we tested a range of mineral micronutrients. So the full range of mineral micronutrients. We tested for 
um, heavy metals um, because in um, uh, certain foods um, there is also a difference um, in heavy metal content between between um, organic um, and conventional food. Uh, for example, in cereals, um, the studies, the um, field experiments uh, uh, tell us that um, uh, conventionally grown uh, cereals have a higher cadmium content um, because there is more phosphorus fertilizer used in conventional farming. Mm -hmm. So we, we tested for minerals, um, heavy metals, and uh, in plasma, we also did a, what's called a metabolomic analysis. So we basically um, uh, looked at the whole uh, range of metabolites um, that are present uh, in the plasma. Now, those, those studies are still being um, uh, analyzed at the moment. Uh, so we've, we've done the chemical analysis, but we are on the statistical uh, analysis. But um, for minerals and um, for minerals and heavy metals, um, um, there, there is also differences. But, but I can't really comment yet on mm -hmm. how big those differences are and um, uh, to what extent um, diet and to what extent uh, organic food consumption um, affected um, those other compounds we've measured. But we will we are basically preparing that for publication at the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, but what are the findings that you that you can share at the moment? Well, what what is in the pesticides paper because that has been peer reviewed. So we are we are happy that um, you know our peers um, uh, feel that we've done a good enough job on it. Um, so on the pesticides um, side, we. This study for the first time really gives you an idea of how much of your pesticide exposure um, is coming from foods. Um, basically, the reduction you get with organic food consumption must be due to the pesticides um, that you're eating with foods. And since organic um, food consumption reduced your total pesticide exposure, exposure by 90, 90% or more than 90%, um, basically, more than 90% of your pesticide exposure um, when you eat conventional food um, is from food and not from environmental exposure. Mm. Um, that, to me, was the biggest surprise because, um, uh, you, you know, that, that, well, on the one hand side, it means um, uh, th that as we eat more fruit and vegetables, we, eat, we take in more pesticides. But also it means there is a way of avoiding those pesticides by changing the type of food um, you eat. So that, to me, was really the biggest surprise. And the difference is probably even greater than 90%, um, because one group of pesticides, which we were only able to test for in the foods that people consumed during um, the time in Crete, um, most fungicides, um, well, fungicides we didn't find at all in organic foods. Um, fungicides, except for one particular type of fungicide, we didn't find at all in uh, conventional foods. So the difference is probably bigger than 90%. Um, and you have to remember, we are in an um, environment here um, in the Masara Plain in Crete that is an intensive horticultural production. 
you know, it's it's an area where you would expect a lot of spraying to be done in the countryside, mm. and still um, 90% um, of exposure, um, according to our results, is from food. Um, Mm. And that is a little bit worrying. Mm. Well, the graph that uh, that I saw that your um, your your lady sent through to me, uh, showing the difference between a conventional diet and a conventional diet that was high in fruit and vegetables, also said a lot, didn't it? I mean, so it's almost yeah, saying yeah. that you're actually better off having a conventional diet without the fruit and vegetables because of the high pesticides. If you if you only look at the pesticides, yes, but mm. obviously your fruit and vegetables are very well known um, to very to to be very important for your mineral and um, antioxidant uh, supply, which um, mm. you know all the dietary um, uh, research over the last forty years has shown to be good for health. Um, what it says is that the what, what I think we. we we shouldn't do is uh, turn people off eating fruit and vegetables. Mm. They are very important. Um, and here in Europe, um, our diet um, doesn't include enough fruit and vegetables to, to, to get the health benefits, the mm. full health benefits of them. Mm. But, um, you know, part of that benefit may be um, uh, lost because at the same time, um, you have this high pesticide intake. Uh, to what extent we, we we just don't know because um, you know all our evidence um, for health benefits of organic food consumption are from dietary uh, are not from dietary intervention study but from cohort studies so epidemiological studies um, where um, the researchers um, compared people with high and low um, organic food consumption and then found that certain diseases are less um often occurring um in the in the people with high organic food consumption but those studies are not proof for benefits of organic um, food consumption um, because when you eat organic food um, or the groups which eat organic food here in europe um, where those studies were carried out they also had um, a better lifestyle you know they also had a better diet or did more exercise etc Mm-hmm. So we, we don't have um, uh, conf- confirming uh, dietary intervention studies which looked at uh, health outcomes um, mm. yet. Mm. Okay, thank you for explaining all of that. From a uh, farming perspective, it was becoming less and less affordable for them to keep using pesticides. Yeah, uh, agrochemicals, I think, I'm talking about in general, um, when, when, when I started, um, uh, you know, as an agronomist, basically your agrochemicals were a small part of, of your cost structure, but they have become much more expensive. Even mineral fertilizers are now a, a considerable component of your cost structure. And um, in many developing countries, uh, farmers can already not afford um, especially pesticides, um, but also increasingly mineral fertilizers. They have to be often subsidized in the developing world so that farmers can use them. Mm. Um, so, even, I mean, even here in, in Crete, um, when the economic crisis started, the olive producers started using manure again, which they could get from their brother who was a shepherd. And then suddenly I was asked as an organic farmer to pay for my manure. 
uh, that's how I know that <laughs> that happened hmm. because basically uh, the nitrogen fertilizer um, was becoming too expensive uh, for them. Hmm. Um, so, you know, d- during the economic crisis, the olive oil prices went down because people switched to uh, cheaper uh, oil consumption. That, that's that's that was the additional pressure. So basically, what I'm saying is, in in your um, profit margin assessment, a farmer already finds that um, uh, quite often um, an additional pesticide spray is basically not being um, uh, paid for uh, by the price he gets for his products. And I believe that will continue, um, especially um, as organic farming. Um, doesn't use those inputs and uh, the price differential over the years um, has become uh, smaller and smaller and smaller. So um, I believe that in the long run, um, these um, input costs will rise faster than um, the the prices uh, or the additional um, price a farmer gets uh, for his products. And therefore, these agrochemical inputs will become less affordable. But at the moment, um, the production costs in organic are still that little bit higher. So at the moment, um, uh, organic production still has to ask for a higher uh, for a higher price. Mm-mm. Uh, mm. But which, as I said before, um, you know, is already relatively small. Um, it's small. It's 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 smaller here in Europe than it is in Australia. Mm. So what are the, some of the alternative and natural methods that have been used in farming there? The thing I always remember, I was, I was born in New Zealand actually, and uh, yeah. I remember learning about crop rotation at school. So what are some of the alternatives to yeah, pesticide that are actually being used and are able to be scaled, I guess? Yeah, um, certainly crop rotation for broad acre annual crop production is is very important. Uh, it is incidentally more difficult to to reintroduce in, in semi-arid regions like the cereal growing areas in, in Australia, where water is a limiting factor. Hmm. But um, in, in, in temperate climates, um, like most of Europe, crop rotation is um, a main factor that organic farmers use hmm. to reduce hmm. air uh, weed pressure, disease, and pest pressure. Mm. Um, but here in 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 in, in Crete, um, if I'm talking about my own farm, I'm producing olives. We have mass tropping systems which are as effective um, as uh, the organophosphate uh, insecticides used for olive fly control. Uh, olive fly being the main pest that we have a problem with in in olive production in Crete. So while those um, um, while those um, using those mass traps, you have a higher labor cost. The actual traps are a little bit cheaper than the spray, but you have a higher labor cost uh, using them. They have to be filled up with water ever so often. What are, I haven't heard of them before. What are, are they called? Mask drops. Uh, mass mass trapping. Um, so they're basically um, pheromone or nutrient uh, attractant based traps. Um, water bottles um, into which you put um, a nutrient trap and then the olive fly comes along, tries to find its nutrients and um, basically um, dies um, by falling into um, this soup of water in the bottle of the trap. Um, They're they're highly effective uh, control methods 
um, in this in this region. Um, so I mean, our olive oil, um, our olive oil uh, quality and um, and yields are the same as in conventional production um, here in, in the Masara Plain. Um, so um, yeah, they're they're highly effective. They're as effective as the um, as the organophosphorus sprays that the conventional farmers use. Hmm. Interesting. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the program uh, today yeah, no and uh, and talking about everything. It's really good. No, no worries. Thanks a lot. Okay then.